Welcome to today's episode of So What's the Catch here on the So What's the Catch Facebook page or if you're watching this later on the So What's the Catch YouTube channel or whatever platform you're watching or listening to on, happy to have you here. So let's get right to it. The Lions are going to be on hard knocks and the draft is going to be in Detroit. Big news for Detroit fans. Uh, happy to see more of Motor City Dan Campbell. Yeah. Gotta love Motor City Dan Campbell. The guy is a walking meme in the best way. He is. And uh, chances we see John Dorsey also on Hard Knocks. Mm, very interesting. You know, that'd be interesting as well. Um, maybe they have a new quarterback. You know, maybe the guy that's uh, currently here that Ooh, is waiting to get traded. That would be so funny to watch okay. those two reunite on Hard Knocks and be able to follow that. It would look like the hug that Hugh Jackson gave uh, what's-his-name that we tried to trade for from the Bengals. Um, oh, oh, McCarron? Yeah. McCarron, A.J. McCarron. It would look like that. A lot like that. Yes. The funny um, thing with that whole trade was that we just didn't file the paperwork in time. That's so funny. Didn't file in time. Good um, for Detroit, though. Detroit's a cool host city. Um, I think the draft will be – will be fun there. Um, Detroit's gotten a lot better over the years. It's, no, yeah. it's nowhere near as bad as it used to be. And they've also got amazing food. So, yeah, if I can make it up there for the draft, I would love to go up there. Yeah, if, if, you, if you love Greek food, if you like uh, if you like Detroit-style pizza, that pizza's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Buddy's. Buddy's pizza is so good. Yeah, you can't beat Buddy's with a stick. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah, where do you think they're going to have it, though? They usually have it, like, in an outdoor venue. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to want to do it on the water like they have for other places because you'll be looking into Canada. Yeah, that's the only thing. They they do have that, like, little island in the, the river that's between Canada and, and the U.S. I think it'd be sweet if they ferried everybody to that little island. And just well, you, you can drive to that island. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Uh I can't remember what it's called for the life of me, but yeah, that would be so funny if they just made it like the whole island was the draft experience. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where they'll have it though. Um, I would imagine like the the Detroit Little Caesars Arena. Area. So um, they spent a lot of money on that complex, the Little Caesars complex. Um, yeah. That's basically like a giant mall. Like it, it's got like a shopping center and it. it's gigantic. It's a really cool place. Um, found the found the uh, question mark. Sorry. Oh, there you go. I always um, update the sign for every show. It's it's like my favorite little. Easter yeah, I always look forward to what it's gonna say. Yeah, me too. And and we'll talk about that when we talk about the Cavs later in the show. But uh, as far as where they're gonna have it, man, I I, I really don't know. Um, maybe they have it inside. They usually do it outside. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. So. Detroit could still have some bad weather that time of year. You know, mm-hmm. it might not be the worst idea to have it inside somewhere. Um, and I mean, Detroit's a fake hockey town, but they are a hockey town. So <laughs> Little Caesars Arena would make sense to me. I think, I, I mean, I Ford love, Field. I hate the Red Wings, but that place is awesome. Ford Field be another good option. Yeah. yeah. Ford Field's not bad, all, you know, bad, bad ugh, not bad either. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I love where Cleveland did it. Being right on the lake like that looked great, right by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and stuff. Yeah, and it was right next to First Energy Stadium, too. 
Right. I think if they were smart, they would try and find a space close to Ford Field and Comerica Park to feature both in the coverage. Uh, You know they'll have that place lit up like a Christmas tree when they're doing the overhead shots and stuff. Right. Um, But it's exciting for Detroit because, like, it really is a great sports town. Like, I I don't care what anybody says, like, having lived in proximity to Detroit for several (laughs) years, like, they they have a great fan base, like in all of their sports. Mm-hmm. Like, even though the Red Wings stink at hockey and really should be demoted to the AHL, um, <laughs> overall they have great fans. Just some of the most diehard fans in the world. So yeah, yeah. I'm excited for Detroit. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at some of the you know the long droughts of success that you've seen in Detroit. The Lions historically mm-hmm. had their giant drought. Uh, the Tigers were bad in the '90s and the early 2000s you know, the end of the, uh, their good teams in the eighties. Uh, mm-hmm. the Red Wings used to be called the dead wings. Okay. Right. And, and the Pistons, you know, the teal era, that's all I got to say. The mm-hmm. teal era. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like a city of suffering when it comes to sports, like Detroit gets it, you know, they, mm-hmm. they get what Cleveland goes through and, and some of the streaks that we've endured. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, they broke – it's kind of funny to me that Detroit broke their championship streak before Cleveland did in, in like, almost every sport, too. Like, they yeah. won in hockey. They, the Pistons won a championship. Like, the Tigers won a World Series before any of our teams did. So, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. All right, so uh, did you guys see that the NFL changed the overtime rules for postseason? Yeah. Yes, both quarterbacks are going to be able to touch the ball now. So the argument now is going to be when the third possession happens and that team scores and the game's over, they're going to fish and complain because the quarterback didn't get a chance to answer. They just they just pushed it just a little bit down the way. You know what I mean? They kicked the can down the road. Yeah, they really they really did, huh? But it it was inevitable. You know, this was a, mm-hmm. a train that couldn't be stopped. So I'm okay with it. It's not terrible, but I, I still I'm not crazy about it. Um I, I was kind of on board with what uh, Tomlin was saying, you know, like, you know, I'm a defensive guy. Like, it, stop us, you know, if you, mm-hmm. you know, get a stop. It's You should be able to, to keep a team from scoring a touchdown, giving them the ball to the 25-yard line. Like, you just should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get both arguments. On one hand, I hated how that Bills-Chiefs game ended with Josh Allen not being able to get a chance to respond because it – in that sense, it felt like once the Bills lost the coin toss, they lost the game. But on the other hand, like you said, Brian, okay, Buffalo, you have a good deep you you're supposed to have a good defense. Go out and stop them. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people feel like they were robbed of something by not getting to see Josh Allen go back out there, but. I mean, that wasn't the feeling I got from that game. I just, you know, it's like, don't, the other thing is don't let it go into overtime. If you don't like the overtime rules, take care of it in regulation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's plenty of things that they could have done to try and do that. And so I'm, I don't know. I've never really loved NFL overtime, but I've also never really felt like there was a huge problem with it either. If that makes sense. Yeah. Something that was fine, I thought. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that they, I think the rule was proposed to do to change it for both regular season and postseason, and it resulted in only getting the postseason rule changed, but not the regular season. It, yeah, it's because they don't want um, 
it's for player safety a little bit, you know, injuries. They don't want the, the game to last longer than it should. And they also don't want games to overlap with each other um, in certain markets, because if a game goes into a third possession in overtime, like that game's at the end of like what? Five thirty if it started at one. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. an hour easy. It's going to go, it's going to go like right up into Sunday night football. And if it's on Sunday night football, the game will be over at two in the morning. Like, right. That's that's why they, they didn't do it for for regular season. And I mean, I get it. Postseason's doing it for there, but it's just kind of like meh. Man, the, the only thing I, I do see that we're going to see an uptick in is the team that scores second if they score a touchdown. I think we're going to see an increase in two point conversion chances, mm, yeah, so they don't move on the uh, you know the field goal or touchdown that comes next or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's I like that. You know that it brings some more strategy into it and it'll make for some more interesting decisions in overtime. But yeah, I mean, like they can't argue player safety or anything anymore because if they really wanted it to be about player safety, like they would just get rid of overtime. Like it has to end in regulation unless it's the postseason. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they are making the games longer. They're having guys play extra series. So like, this is so counterintuitive to everything they've been trying to preach for the past decade, but it's the NFL. So yeah. Um, so what did you guys think of what Jim Ursay said about Carson Wentz and calling that that whole thing a mistake? Well, Jim Ursay is a very bold individual. If you ever heard of any of the stories from Pat McAfee talking about Jim Ursay. He's a unique character. He's a very unique person. He's an eccentric person. He's a wild card. Mm-hmm. He is the definition of wild card. So it's just... You know, it's it's Jim Irsay doing what Jim Irsay does, really. Yeah, and, and this is one of those situations too, where it's like you you want these guys to be human and to like be honest, and then when they are actually honest and say something like this, like all everybody in the media jumps down their throats. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. it's so hypocritical to me. Yeah, like uh, remember when Steve Cohen bought the Mets and he was very active on Twitter. And, you know, everyone was just like, oh, this is going to go badly with the Mets struggle. And it, and, it, and it did. And he kind of hopped off Twitter for a while. But, like, it's, it's exactly the same thing. Like, it, it's fun. But when it goes poorly for the team, it usually ends up being some sort of uh, crisis almost. Yeah. I, I thought this quote was really refreshing, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's – the other thing, too, is to admit when you're wrong. Like, billionaires do not like to admit that they're wrong. And no, by him don't. saying that – you know, by him saying that era – that entire era is a mistake, he's saying, like, look, guys, I got this one wrong. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. Um, like, is it is it kind of a dick move? Yeah, sure. But, like, these guys are professional football players. Like, you're going to have your feelings hurt. It's a business. So, cry me a river. Carson if he's yeah. feeling some kind of way about it but everything I've seen of Carson Wentz is like he's a pretty good sport about like everybody's opinions of him and stuff mm-hmm. like McAfee's been like one of his biggest haters openly <laughs> and he had him on the show you know and, and he was yeah. he stayed in studio for like two or three hours mm-hmm. and uh, he was very you know open with the fact like okay I know a lot of people don't like me don't believe in me what what have mm-hmm. you but so I, I don't think that Carson's too worried about this quote either. So, yeah, it was for me, it was a really interesting and refreshing thing to hear from Jim Ersay. Yeah. I mean, he went from a decent situation with Indianapolis to 
a literal shithole with the Washington Commanders because that field is terrible. Oh, you mean uh, two sets of books Dan Snyder isn't keeping things uh, in order? Oh, um, yeah, right. Imagine <laughs> that. I mean, How is that guy still involved in the NFL? It's amazing. I don't know. It's one of the biggest mysteries, honestly. But, like, looking at the potential for, like, Carson Wentz to tear his ACL again, like, went up a thousand percent. It had to be. Like, I don't know if people can bet on injuries, but I would hammer that bet that he tears his ACL at some point during the season at that awful stadium in where is it? Uh, it's in Maryland, isn't it? Yeah, it's in the DMV somewhere. Landover, Maryland. There we go, Landover. Yeah, uh, no longer Ral John, but Landover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's going to be a rough place to play for a guy who is often hurt. And um, then he's got to play Philly twice a year too. That's going to be. Fun. I was just going to say, why do I have this weird feeling that the game he gets injured in <laughs> will be against the Eagles? It, it probably will be. It probably, whenever they play the Eagles on Taylor's ACL, and there we he's go. Gonna, he's going to be the next uh, Kurt Warner saying that football should be played on turf inside. <laughs> Carson Wentz is going to be the next guy advocating for that. I guarantee it. I would not be surprised. Mm-hmm. I, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, I don't want to say they're two of the biggest busts, but in recent memory, they are – one of the biggest busts I can think. Two of the biggest busts I can think of. Uh, for Goff, I wouldn't say he's a bust. I would say Goff is more disappointing or disappointment, yeah. uh, underachieved, did not live up to his draft status, but not a bust because he's not like Jamarcus Russell or Ryan Leaf or whatever. You know, kind of the same category that Baker Mayfield's in. Okay, right. Like, and Carson Wentz, I would say kind of the same thing, but it's. Like, you've seen him play well at times, but you've also seen him play hilariously bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny to think, though, like, for a moment when he was, like, at his peak, like, people were saying Carson Wentz is, like, the the prototypical quarterback. Like, this is, (laughs) like, if you could create one in a lab, it would be, this would be what you would create. And then, like, that just changed so quickly. He's just one of those guys that had, like, a brief moment in the sun and, like, showed so much potential, but then he just fizzled out he got mvp votes that one year yeah yeah that was crazy about people are absolutely crazy about him yeah i mean Uh, people looked for in the draft it was like who's the next who's going to be the next carson Wentz? so yeah he hasn't just been like a straight bust either like he he had a little bit of a rise and a fall from grace if you will like he's not like josh rosen okay yeah he never had a piece Right. You know, it was just completely terrible all the time. You and know, then I, the Cardinals just pulled the rug out from underneath him. But Well, like Josh Rosen, if he was actually good, he would have like stuck around one of the other like five places he's been since. You know what I mean? He, he, jumped, from, he jumped from team to team, and it's not because uh, he is going on some sort of like mercenary tour. It's because he sucks. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on one of the new USFL teams. Yeah, or fan control. NFL contract, so I think he's just going to keep doing that. And, you know, he's it's going to pay more to be a third string guy, being active every week and not do anything. Yeah, if he can get a job as a backup in the NFL, he's going to keep that for life. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the best jobs in sports, depending on how you look at it. You know, I mean, the the best job in the NFL for a very long time belonged to Jim Sorge. 
You just mm. had to hold the clipboard for Peyton Manning. Yep. That's so true. And that dude never played. Not, and just count <laughs> but everybody knew who he was. Yep. Didn't have to go through all of the suffering and the pain of a NFL season and got to wear the red jersey during practice uh, and cash million-dollar checks at the bank. So Make they- a million bucks a year to, to do nothing and, and, like, be on a team that wins all the time? Sign me up. You know? Yeah, super boring. Like – Baker should embrace it. Baker should embrace the fact that his life will be much, much easier if he can embrace the role of a clipboard holder. Mm-hmm. You really? Yeah. yeah. Baker embracing that? No. 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 But, it's an egomaniac, or maybe. Yeah. But. Did you guys see the uh, the coaching change down in Tampa? Very interesting. Yes. That came kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, that's uh, how we kind of talked about it on the sports channels, Josh. It was like nobody really saw this one coming. Um, yeah, it, very, very interesting. You know, Bruce Arians retiring and moving to the front office and Todd mm-hmm. Bowles being the new head coach. Um, it's not a move that I feel like a lot of people saw coming. But, yeah, it's a big move. It's interesting. James, I'm interested to hear what your take is on Tom Brady and his influence on any of this or none of it. I think there was probably a good amount of influence from Brady. Like, I think he wanted a, a different head coach because, like, you, you look at the the way Arians has publicly criticized Brady a couple times. I mean, it's Tom fucking Brady. He's not going to take that, okay? Like, right. And so, like, I think there was a little bit of a rift there, which I think was why he probably retired in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then he unretired, came back. He was just like, I'll unretire if – you know, you get a different coach, make Todd Bowles the head coach or something. You know what I mean? Right. Thing that he called the shots, but like he did meet with the Glazers the day before he like unretired. Okay. Yeah. So, and I mean, just putting myself in his shoes, if I'm Tom Brady, I'm pulling all the strings I can pull myself to. Yeah. So, yeah. Like nothing against Tom for any of that, but yeah, I think he was probably very involved in, you know, maybe a periphery way, but like his influence was heavily involved. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an okay move. You know, I, I, it'll be interesting to see what Todd Bowles can do with a, a much better team than, you know, he's had before. So. I mean, yeah. Cause the jets were a dumpster fire. I mean, yeah, absolutely. They still are a dumpster fire. It's, <laughs> yeah. That hasn't changed, jets. but you know, uh, I, I saw some people kind of wondering why it wasn't Byron Leftwich They got the call, but it's not really that surprising to me that they went with Bowles instead of left switch because Bowles has been a head coach before. This is a team that look, wants to win a Super Bowl now. And Byron left, which has had what, what one year, two years of play calling mm-hmm. under his belt. Yeah. One year of actual play calling, I think, but like he needs more experience, honestly, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it would be too soon for that kind of move for him. Um, but he's a guy that definitely down the road, you know, one of those people you keep, keep your eye on and, and hope that if the moment comes that, you know, it's the right fit, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of Malcolm Jenkins retiring? I mean, it, he, he was in the league for a while. I'm not like all that surprised by it. You know, he was one of my favorite players in the league. I wanted the Browns to draft him, but of course they didn't uh, because that was during the era where they never drafted uh, Buckeyes. Yeah. They're very anti Buckeye for a while. Yes, they were. For a very long time. Very long time. And they broke that streak with, like, the worst wide receiver they could have in Brian Verbeski. Um That was just so maddening. But uh, Yeah, that's a 
nepotism pick there. <laughs> uh, Terry used to be a wide receivers coach, and he was a he was an interim coach right. uh, for the Browns. Back yeah, that, that's the <laughs> only reason. Yeah, the only reason uh, Rubisky Jr. ever fit on that team was just his ties to, you know, his father. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, yeah, like there was absolutely no reason to use a pick on him. Yeah, uh, all-time great safety though, Malcolm Jenkins. You know, I agree with that 100. percent Hall of Famer. I think there's a case to be made. I wouldn't say definitively yes or no. Yeah, he's not one of those guys that jumps off the page and you're like, oh yeah, first ballot. But um, yeah, definitely Hall of Fame caliber player. And in terms of like being surprised by retirement, like I'm never surprised when an NFL player in their 30s retires. Mm-hmm. It's just it'll yeah. never surprise me. It's such a brutal game, and it's one that you obviously like. If you can walk away while you have all of your faculties about you, like mm-hmm. it's probably the right thing to do long term. Um, so yeah, happy for him. He had a great career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, anchor of two of two teams. You know the the uh, the Saints and the Eagles. He was just you can count count him count on him year in year out. In like he's gonna do he's gonna play well. He's gonna anchor the defense and. He's gonna, you know, raise the play of others around him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He was a security blanket for them for a long time. You know, for all the teams he played for, he's mm-hmm. just so consistent year in year out. So, like, yeah, in terms of like consistency over a long period of time, like that definitely is gonna help his Hall of Fame chances. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, that's one of the more important things. Is like, how, how do you do? Like, how long does your peak last? You know. Because a lot of people have a really good season, but that doesn't mean that they're Hall of Famers. You know what I mean? But yeah, right. when you do it year in and year out like he did, and like when you know coaches went up against him, like they always were accounting for him. Like he was never a guy that like kind of deteriorated in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad that he retired in his. You know, he seems to be healthy, so that's a good thing. Yeah, he's got two Super Bowls. You know, he won with both uh, New Orleans and Philly. Uh, Looks like just one second team all pro. We might get a little bit dinged on that when it comes Hall of Fame time. He's got three Pro Bowls, but here's the interesting thing: he has eight defensive touchdowns. Mm. Wow, that, yeah, that that's a lot. surprised me. That's like twenty-one interceptions, twenty-four fumbles, eleven recoveries. Like, I think those numbers will will push him in. Uh, you know, the all pros are just like they're not there, but I think they right. actually did in terms of turnovers and you know. Defensive touchdowns, I think that's ultimately what gets them in. Right. Yeah, I mean, those are so valuable too, you know. So yeah, that's definitely going to help him. And he's not a like a guy you would think of and, and immediately go like ball hawk playmaker. But like when you look at his numbers, you're like, oh well, actually, you know, he he made a lot of plays. <laughs> yeah. 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 I would say he's like a first ballot Hall of Famer, probably a second year Hall of Famer, or third year. I would say more likely. But I think he will get in. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna settle on he gets in at some point. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? That that's where I'm at. Um, we had some uh, some player movement to talk about. Uh, the Rams signed Bobby Wagner. Mm. Yeah. They just um, keep making splash moves. You know the Rams. They, they the Rams said, "Fuck your draft picks. Fuck your salary cap space. We're just gonna keep adding on players that cost money, and we're not gonna draft anybody new. We're just gonna keep acquiring all of your best players." And winning. Yep. Uh, and it's a strategy that worked to perfection last year. So why not, you know, repeat it? Yeah. Like Basically. at some point, 
the the Rams are going to suck at some point, but it's not. Oh, 100%. But it's not I mean, now. And then, no. <laughs> that's what they're thinking is. And I, I think some of that, too, is, like, capitalizing on them, like, being the L.A. team and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think they really have to. Like, they're kind of pressured into, like, trying to take over that city, you know. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100% business standpoint so it makes sense that they're doing all this but like yeah there's going to be a very painful era for rams fans in the not too distant future i mean it's not like the chargers are going to take over that town anyway no they're not because you know the first team to win a a super bowl there was the rams right exactly but you look at that but like i don't know how like long their down period is going to be like in the nfl when you go into a down period it usually lasts for a minute yeah a a one year then rebound but we'll see depends on how they they uh try and put together any sort of succession plan on on some spots but you know ultimately when they have to find a new quarterback i think that's when yeah when it's going to be tough for the rams Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, and i mean if you follow you know guys like mcafee you know he'll tell you that salary cap ain't real uh it's Mm -hmm. fake um so if there's any hope for their future it's that you know Somehow they'll they'll use these salary cap loopholes and and you know manipulations that can you know maybe reshape some of that um, because it seems like it, it, not that it's all fake but like it's all so mean like easily manipulated mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah stuff gets converted into signing bonuses which don't count against it and you know they use added void years and deferred money like. If Jadavian Clowney's on the team this year in Cleveland or not for like the next two years, they're gonna be paying him like three and a half billion dollars, regardless. Yep. You know what I mean? Because of void years. Yeah. So there's some financial jujitsu that they can do to kind of keep themselves alive. So yeah, I don't think it's as grim as people might think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely coming because, like you said, they they do not care about the draft picks. They do not care about any of that kind of capital right now. No, they don't. Well, let's hope someone who actually knows what they're doing is working the fi- uh, the financial maneuvering or jujitsu, as you put, and yeah. it's not like Michael Scott's uh, <laughs> maneuvering that got him declaring right. bankruptcy. Okay. Uh, yeah. So um, a former Brown went to the Patriots, which seems to happen all the time, or at least it used to. But uh, uh, Jabril yeah. Peppers. Huh. Yeah, interesting to see him end up in the Patriots. Um, yeah, we got a guy from New England, and then we've got a guy from Cleveland playing there now. So, yeah, I'll take Winovich, though. Yeah, I'll take Winovich. When you're when you're comparing the two Michigan players, like uh, I think I'm okay with having Winno over Peppers, but I think he's a good player, though. I still think that he can he could be a really good player in New England. I, I mean, do. He's with Bill Belichick. He'll find a way to get the best out of him. Exactly. There's a reason why so many people always flock to New England, and especially, you know, defensive guys mm-hmm. that, you know, where it hasn't necessarily worked out somewhere. I mean, it's like they have talent, but they haven't maximized it yet. I mean, like a, a perfect example. Remember Jamie Collins? When we traded for Jamie Collins, and he was like really good. He got here and he sucked. Then he went back, yeah. to, England, then he went to Detroit, then back to New England again, I think. Like, and then ended up being fine. Yeah, it, it feels a lot like that. Mm-hmm. I definitely get where you're going with that. It does feel yeah. like that a lot. But the other thing about Peppers, too, is like he's not a traditional free safety. Like he's he's a, he's he's a, a box type guy. He's like just a he's an, like an ATH on defense. You know, mm-hmm. like he's just like one of those guys that you can use a lot of different ways. And I think that Belichick is obviously the best when it comes to that. So 
it, I think that he'll be able to get the most out of them that anybody could. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say that about any player because it's Belichick and he's the GOAT. But yeah. in this instance yeah. in particular, like this is one I actually circle and go, oh, okay, he's going to make him a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's 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 a perfect landing spot for him, honestly. You know, you, mm-hmm. you just look at the, the way that he's able to just get the most out of out of guys and like listen as long as he's not in like a Craig Williams defense where they haven't played center field in a progressive field uh, he'll be doing a lot better than uh, how he did here because he did not have necessarily a, a great time here no not none whatsoever no um, but yeah he's not that you know Xavier Howard type guy he, he's a he's a different he's more of a physical you know guy even though he's not like really massive like he's a really physically like physically dominant safety, you know, for the way he plays. Um, he plays a lot bigger than his size is what I'll say. Yeah. He does. He does. So former, I think, uh, Oakland Raider, Arden Key to the Jaguars. This yeah. do anything for anybody? Meh. This is one of those ones where it's just, eh, okay. Like Arden Key. Well, I mean, he got drafted. I'm just like, I, I wouldn't touch this guy. Like, yeah. And is it not Jacksonville that's always the team to take a guy like this? You know what I mean? Like, they're always yeah. willing to be the team to throw money at somebody like this, and it never works out for them. No, it, yeah. it never does. I mean, you look at Arden Key, he's been just a complete disappointment from the moment he was drafted. Mm-hmm. You know, he's 6'5", he's 240, he's like too tall and not big enough to be a defensive end, and that's what they had him do. Like, he actually produced last year at the 49ers, but the 49ers have really good defense with guys around him. But right. uh, before last year, he had three career sacks as a pass rusher. Like, what are we doing? Not good enough. Yeah, that's six and a half last year. Yeah, it, it, the Jaguars have been so active, and it's a lot of moves like this, though. Like, a lot of moves that are just like, really? Like, is this going to make them better? And yeah. Don't, I don't see it. I don't see how signing a guy like Arden Keyes – is a move that really makes that defense all that much better. So Yeah, one of the most surprising moves for me that the Jaguars did was the amount of money they gave to Christian Kirk. That was just bonkers. That was just uh, – what, what are they thinking? Yeah, banana land contract. Like, it just yeah. didn't make any sense. I've heard – I watched a YouTube video the other day from a guy named Urinating Tree. I don't know if you've ever seen his videos. No. <laughs> Urinating Tree? Yes, they're, oh. it's really funny, but he blames the Jaguars for a lot of this free agency craziness. Mm. Like they're the team that started the domino effect? Or... Yes, because of the contracts they gave out to a lot of players. Uh, that... One team does this every year. It was the Patriots last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Browns just did it with Deshaun Watson. Like we changed how contracts are going to be done forever. Mm-hmm. with that move so like yeah this happens um in a lot of places with a lot of guys like they they give them way too much money and it changes the entire pay structure for their position across the league mm-hmm. and i know it drives the other owners bonkers when they make moves like this like it's just yeah. what are you doing here you know like because mm-hmm. now we have to pay so and so xyz because of this so yeah it'll it'll have a ripple effect like like they always do but not shocking so, did you see the uh, the new backup quarterback in New Orleans, Andy Dalton? Mm, the Red Rocket. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Andy uh, Dalton's fine. He's a backup. 
if you want just the generic backup quarterback behind James Winston, he's their guy. Yeah. Uh, to me, this, this really speaks to their confidence in Jameis too. Like, cause that's not a guy you're bringing in to compete for the starting job. Like that's a guy you're bringing in to be a backup, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, career, yeah, I think the best chance for new Orleans to have success is to really be all in on Jameis. So mm-hmm. If that's what they're doing and Taysom Hill, the experiment with that is over and they just kind of use him to his skill set rather than trying to force these QB packages and stuff with them. Um, it could be a good team, you know? Yeah. I mean, James, you put on the show sheet that Taysom Hill is going to focus on tight end now. So that's what they said, apparently. Yeah. As long as we can stop pretending the charade of Taysom Hill starting quarterback, you know, as long as we can stop pretending that's a thing or it's actually viable or he's their future, the dude's 31 years old, okay? He's not 25. I think a lot of people don't know how old he is. That's the other thing. Everybody thinks Taysom Hill is this really young guy, and he's not. No. He's he's 31. And if not now, when for a quarterback? You know what I mean? Like 31. If if you're not (laughs) – on your way towards peaking by now, like what are you doing? So if yeah, I think this is the right move. If they use him as the Swiss army knife and like occasionally have him throw a pass, or whatever on a trick play, that's fine. But like, they just need to stop pretending he's like a thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Can we stop? Like the, the Taysom Hill discourse is just exhausting. He's, he's like an OBJ when it comes to quarterback, like, He's got a good arm. He could throw a decent pass, you know, but he's not a real quarterback, you know. No. Like, so, yeah, if they, I wouldn't like be surprised if they use some kind of like gadget reverse, you know, passes to get him involved. But yeah, like more than once a game, it's just not a good idea for them. So, uh, at the end of the day, I think that they probably saved his career by moving him to tight end, if anything. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. For the time being, anyway, because I, I don't see any other team taking another chance on Taysom Hill in any way. No, you know, it, it prolongs it for sure. He keeps getting a paycheck. Yeah. And, I mean, not, do you think he has the athleticism though to like really be an effective tight end? Because to me, I, I really, I don't see it. I think he's athletic enough to be used in the way that he is used, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't think he's big enough to be a tight end. I think it's going to be more like what those old school flanker guys, remember like Frank Wycheck? Yeah, sure. It's so I think, I think that would probably be what he is like, but he's not really a tight end. I think he's tight yeah. end to name only. Yeah, that seems right. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Um, I I just think like it's a it's a tougher position to pick up than people think. Like you know what I mean. So for them to like, if anyone thinks that like, boom, he's going to be a, a Pro Bowl or All Pro tight end, I, I think that's foolish. Yeah, like especially like not to make a comparison between Taysom Hill and Tim Tebow, but the Jaguars tried to move Tim Tebow to tight end. And, uh, well, we saw how well that worked out. Mm. Yeah. That experiment did not go so well for Tim. No, I mean, to be fair to Tim Tebow, I'm usually someone who criticizes the hell out of Tim Tebow and his ability as a quarterback, but to be fair, he was attempting to play minor league baseball for a long time. His body was completely in a different composition for a completely different sport. So it wasn't like, and he just decided to, like, I'm going to stop playing baseball. I'm going to go play football now. Like, doesn't work it, like that. It, it doesn't. Mm. No. Yeah, not in the NFL. Like, if, if he wanted to come back to football, like, yeah, Josh, you mentioned the USFL earlier. 
fan-controlled football, something like that, like, sure. You know, maybe he could go somewhere like that and thrive. But, yeah. Coming back to the NFL? No. Not so much. Yeah. Um, in Jersey news, the Eagles are bringing back their Kelly Green jerseys. And the Buccaneers are bringing back their creamsicle jerseys. I love this. I, I love, love this, this too. So let me ask you guys this. Who's the player you think of when you think of each of these uniforms? Um, I don't really think of anyone for the Eagles Kelly Green because I wasn't I wasn't around, I don't think, during that era. So I don't have any rec- recollection or however the heck you say that word. Yeah, I got you. But for the Buccaneers, I'm pretty sure Warren Sapp played in those principal jerseys, if I remember correctly. He might have, like, in the first yeah, year, year maybe, he might have been drafted by the Bucs, but they still wore these before they had their, their rebrand, so that's possible. Uh, mm-hmm. For the Kelly Green jersey, it's easy for me, Randall Cunningham. Like, yes, that's exactly who I think of. Yeah. Uh, you stole the words right out of my mouth. He's one of my all-time favorites. Um, but for fun, I'll go with Marky Mark Malk, and I mean Mark Wahlberg. And the then Green yes. <laughs> just because of that movie, and I'm a I'm a Mark Wahlberg stan. Like that wasn't a great movie. Like don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it was a great film, but I fucking love Mark Wahlberg. So um, yeah, that does it reminds me of of that story. Now I'll always attach that story to those jerseys. <laughs> so so not uh, not Tony Danza and the stupid uh, garbage man field goal kicker movie. Oh no, not that one. <laughs> not that one. What was that one called? Oh my god. Oh hold on, hold on. Uh, oh. It's got some long ridiculous name. Um, Anyway, what about right? All right, here we go. The garbage picking, field goal kicking, Philadelphia phenomenon. Thank you, 1998. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm, I'll be sure when I get off the stream to go on Netflix and look that movie up. Yeah, God. I'll tell you who I'm real excited to see in this Bucks creamsicle though is Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. he's gonna look tremendous in that. That logo, though, was so weird with the Buckle Bruce. I love Bruce. Just a winky, a pirate winky at you. Doesn't seem all that intimidating. The Browns logo is literally a helmet. Yeah, right. Um, Correction. In my opinion, the Browns don't have a logo. Okay, well, your opinion's wrong. It's the helmet. <laughs> Our logo is a helmet. Our logo is a helmet. There you go, James. There yeah. you go. Uh, Google Browns logo. See what comes up. True. I, I'm okay with Bucko Bruce though, because at least it's like a, a caricature of like like a swashbuckling pirate and not like a racist caricature of some you know what I mean? Like a, yeah. there's a lot worse mascots that were more problematic than Bucko. Oh yeah. He's he's fun. It's just kind of yeah. like it's like this is totally like 1970s and I love it. To me, yeah. it makes me think of Antonio Banderas, like from Zorro vibes. <laughs> Bucko Bruce. Like as soon as I saw that movie, I'm like, that's Bucko Bruce. <laughs> I always put the two of those together now. You know, I actually watched like a, this series of videos about like the evolution of team colors and stuff. The Buccaneers wanted to go with red, orange, and green, but it would have been too close to what the Dolphins were doing. So they were stuck with red and orange. 
Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of like uniforms and throwbacks and the history of it and stuff. So like, I'm all about stuff like this. Anytime like teams are bringing back old, you know, old looks that were like iconic, it's always fun. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for both of these. The Kelly green jerseys, like it's okay because it's a different green. You know, you don't get a lot of greens in sports mm -hmm. other than like that annoying Boston, Boston Celtic, you know, green. Um, so yeah, it's cool. It's different, but I'm, I'm more excited for the Bucks one. I think that one's a really cool look. You know what color we don't get enough of in sports in general is purple. I'll agree with that. My teams, uh, Vikings, Ravens, Colorado Rockies, Arizona Diamondbacks, Lakers, uh, LA Kings. There's I just feel like there, but it's not a primary like some. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I'd like to see more purple. Purple represents royalty too. So like a lot of like you look at like English football teams and like different leagues and stuff like they'll, they'll use a lot of purples and stuff like that. So yeah. I think that there's a way to pull off purple and make it look good. My high school was purple and gold. We were the Vermilion Sailors, the fighting purple and gold. My high school was blue and yellow. Our uniforms were copycat Michigan uniforms. It was terrible for me. My uniforms were actually blue and maize. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not going to go that far. I mean, my high school, we didn't have a football team. Okay. Yeah, because we're a private school. You're one of the few high schools that my football team could actually beat then. Because <laughs> my, my high school football team is terrible. Yeah, we were bad. Uh, um, we got clowned by Drew Henson four years in a row. Yeah. We've <laughs> so, had some good players come out of Vermillion. Um, God, I can't think of the guy's name. There is a pro – actually, Philadelphia Eagles, that era, tight end from Vermillion. Mm -hmm. I'll have to dig it up. But, yeah, that's, that's so ironic. That I think he was the Kelly Green era. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he played football. Right. Every once in a while, Vermillion will produce like a really good athlete, but like in terms of the football program as a whole, it's usually not the best. Yeah. But, we uh, did have a oh, soccer team, though. Our colors are green and white. Oh, big green style. Yep. Underrated sports movie, by the way. Say, are we just busting out Disney movies today? Is that Dude, the big green is so good. <laughs> You brought what? up the Kelly Green, and now my mind's on green, and now I'm thinking about the big green. Now I got to watch that movie again. <laughs> I didn't even plan on all this green reference coming up when I chose the colors for today's show of it being green. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of ironic. I didn't realize it. Kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. Happy April Fool's Day, by the way. This is an appropriate transition for the next topic on the show sheet. Yes. Uh, as, I, I like what you put here. Clown Tony O'Brown. Yeah, this, this is a reference to uh, what's his name in Pittsburgh? Um, Mark Madden. Mm -hmm. He tweeted this like it, it's staring you right in the face. Antonio Clown. Antonio Clown. It's right. so instead of clown, Antonio Tony. Brown. Right. Yeah. It's so funny the way he chose to to use that wordplay when there was the obvious one right in front of his face. He, he forced clown onto Antonio when it, changing Brown to clown would have been just so so much better. But anyway, right. that's besides the point. Uh, did you see what he said when he's going to have ankle surgery? When a team signs him. What is he doing? I don't know. What he's is such he an odd person. He like, really is. He really is. And he's a guy that, like, I, I, I don't think he's, like, a terrible person. Like, I, I don't – you know what I mean? 
He might be. He might be. <laughs> but like most of his antics are like Kanye esque antics. If that he's makes. got very Kanye esque. Like remember when he yeah, dyed his mustache blonde or anything like that. He dyed his mustache blonde. Wanted everyone to call him Mr. Big Chest. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Weird hairstyles, Dennis Rodman type stuff. Like little hair. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Dennis Rodman, Kanye antics. That's that's kind of where he is. Right. You know what I mean? But like. Yeah. Is he just not wanting to get signed by anybody? I'm not going to have ankle surgery till a team signs me. Yeah, it's it's a ridiculous thing for him to say. The the thing is going to like heal on its own by the time like somebody actually signs you because no one's going to sign you. Yeah, exactly. Because nobody no idea what he's with, doing. nobody wants to deal with your shit show. That too. There's a lot <laughs> of baggage that comes with bringing in a guy like that. Tom Brady would again probably. Probably Brady's he he'll use mercenaries. Anybody that'll win him a Super Bowl, he doesn't care. Yeah, I mean, so, if he thinks, what's that? You look at some of the players he's played with and uh, what's happened with them uh, off the field. Uh, not necessarily all that surprising. Uh no, yeah, so, yeah, no. less than stellar characters. Goodness, yeah. There's so many of them too. I'm not yeah. good, but there's a lot of them. Yes, there is. There's a, there's a very long list, and a lot of guys have been suspended or banned from the league or gone to jail or whatever. But speaking of suspensions, there is not a timetable for a Deshaun Watson suspension at the moment. I think this is kind of important when it comes to how things are going to go in terms of the Browns, who's going to be playing when. Because I do think it's a somewhat of a crucial note that Roger Goodell didn't just go commissioner's list suspended indefinitely. I'll yeah. suspend him when I, when when the time comes. Right. Right. It feels inevitable that he will get suspended. I I think the NFL would be stupid not to suspend him because that would be such a black eye. But. For them to say there's no timetable on it, maybe that's a good sign. I don't know. It's one way to look at it, you know. Any day longer that they go without him getting a year-long suspension is a good day, you know. So, yeah, it's interesting to me. I don't I don't know. Like, do they really believe his – like, his – is innocence claims, you know, I don't know what they believe or don't believe and what is honest and what's dishonest. So, yeah, I mean, it's a difficult situation for the NFL. Like you could justify it going a lot of different ways. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't expect them to rush this decision. It's probably something that they're going to think about as long as they need to. Yeah. You look at the NFL's history of botching suspensions with premature suspensions all the time. Calvary. Uh, I mean, there's Calvin Ridley. I was thinking more of Tom Brady in the Deflategate suspension. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. They finally, finally realized, hey, maybe we should wait before we do anything. Yeah. Instead of just being like, suspension. It's just like, what are you doing? Right. Yeah, they suspend first and then explain why later. And yeah, yeah, they really should do things the opposite way. Yes. Yeah, Josh, in that way, you're kind of right. Like, in a way, it's a good thing that that they haven't said that there's a timetable yet. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you, you look at, um, geez, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, no, what about, well, here, let's see if these two topics can go hand in hand. 
What about Antonio Brown after ankle surgery? Do you think that he would have a place on the Browns roster? Absolutely not. I don't want him anywhere near the Browns roster. No. Absolutely no. I mean, there's already so much drama with this team from, you know, last year with Baker and Odell and, Mm. you know, Baker's going to be gone. Odell might be back. Uh, Who knows? Uh, But, like, I I don't think they're going to bring in the complete wild card of Antonio Brown into the mix, even though he's trying to tweet it into existence. That's why I brought it up because he, he obviously was trying to manifest that in some way. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not interested in it either. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, I, just, I don't think that he's capable of being that good right now with his ankle and the condition that it is. And so, also think about this too. Like, you know, people are already saying, congratulations, Browns fans. You have your own version of big Ben Roethlisberger now and all that. So if you bring Antonio Brown on and all his legal problems, I'll say, yeah, I don't need to tell you more. Not a good idea is what you're saying. Exactly. I'll agree with you there. Not a good idea. No. Um, but, yeah, they're in no rush to issue the suspension. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're waiting for quite a while before we find out how long it actually is. It sounds like they're going to be waiting for the civil cases to get resolved in one way or another before they make any sort of uh, determination. Right. That's my read on it, honestly. I think that makes the most sense for them right now, you know, to not yeah. not make a decision until all of the punishment's been handed out. You know, at this point, it would only be monetary punishment for him. But mm-hmm. still, you know, it, you know whether or not he's found innocent or guilty is going to in, impact the, the way that they hand out the dispatch or suspension for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't want to, to, you know, put the cart before the horse and end up getting sued by a player again. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's, they're finally learning from their mistakes. Like I said before, they're finally learning from their mistakes and not being premature in their, in their punishments that they hand out. So right. that's good. As yep. for another quarterback on the roster, it doesn't seem like the Browns are in any type of rush to move number six. Well, part of it is that Baker Mayfield has absolutely no trade market. Okay, it, big part of it, <laughs> and nobody nobody wants him. Uh, I saw a report that said uh, teams want a pick attached to take on Baker's contract, and that's just like holy shit. Like, yeah. Nobody wants this guy. Like it, it speaks volumes that nobody wants him. Like if he was actually capable of being the guy that a lot of people think he is, which he isn't, uh, someone would have jumped on this. If, if they think he's a franchise caliber quarterback, paying him eighteen million dollars this year is nothing. Right? It's nothing if he's supposed to be that guy. But like, exactly. Look what the Browns just did with the yeah, yeah. exactly. Look, Look what the stupid commanders did with Carson Wentz. Yeah, if you think it's a guy, you know, if you, you think he's the guy, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my best guess is that maybe they trade him to Tampa Bay so he can be a backup under Tom Brady. I have no idea, but here's what's going to happen, and it's you can see it coming from a mile away. They're going to hang on to him until training camp. Some quarterback's going to tear his ACL, and then that team's new quarterback's going to be Baker Mayfield. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I hope you enjoy Washington, Baker, because Carson Wentz is going to tear his ACL. 
Um, <laughs> I could see him ending up there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that somebody's he'll he will be brought in out of necessity before he will be brought in to lead a franchise to any kind of promised land. Yeah. You know? So uh, once once somebody is in need of a quarterback great enough, um, you know, they say once the pain is great enough, you'll be willing to change. Uh, once the pain is great enough at quarterback situation, you may be willing to take a chance on a guy like Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it really is going to play out exactly like the Teddy Bridgewater situation did when he and his knee exploded and they traded for Sam Bradford. Okay. Yeah. That's exactly what's going to happen. It's a good, good analogy. Yeah. Do you believe the reports that if the Browns were to release him, the Steelers would actually be interested? Or do you no. think those were just kind of rumors? That, that's just that's just something that somebody made up. There's like no like legitimacy to that. Yeah, I'm. I don't think there's ever any real legitimacy to that either. I mean, maybe to be a backup, but if you think Mike Tomlin is going to waste any years of his career with Baker Mayfield being his starter, you're crazy. Like, and, and the Steelers just went and already signed Mitch Trubisky to a two-year deal. Like, yeah. they're not going to have two backup cal- caliber quarterbacks on their roster. You know what I mean? Yeah. They still got that clown Mason Rudolph on their roster too, and yeah, is is Duck Hodges still on the Steelers or no? I have no idea. No, he's gone. I can't remember (laughs) where Duck went. Uh, Uh, He might be. He might be USFL. I feel like he might have got drafted in the USFL. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he was a thing for a minute. Yeah. That's hey, the thing about a town like Pittsburgh or a town like Cleveland. Like when you have a character like a Duck Hodges, like they just will go viral in a city like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, another quarterback still on the roster. Uh, well, not our roster, but a roster. Jimmy G still with San Francisco, and he might still be their starter. Like, yeah. like what the hell is going on in San Francisco? Like, is Trey Lance that bad? He is, must be. Is that what's happening? Is he just like terrible, and that's why they still have Jimmy G, and he could still be their starter? That's what? the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. Because like, I, I mean they they made it clear that like they were interested in upgrading at this position a long time ago, mm-hmm. and yet here we are. You know, and like you said, he could still be the opening day starter. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know how much of this is kind of similar to the Baker situation where teams aren't interested. Um, I think teams are definitely way more interested in a guy like Jimmy G than Baker. They are. But yeah, I think the longer he stays put, the better his chances are of, you know, he's just going to be the guy going forward for another year. Yeah. Because they, you know, they took a guy at number three. So like they, they took a guy they believed in and, he should be ready to or ready to go by now. You know, you usually don't wait around this long to, to start a guy like him. So, to me, that's a big red flag, and they must not see much in him. Right. And also the fact that they traded up to the number three pick to take Trey Lance. Yeah, they really were crazy about him. Yep. How many times a day do you think Kyle Shanahan kicks himself being like, I should have drafted Mac Jones like I wanted to. Yeah. And didn't get pressured into Trey Lance. Right. Yeah, the spot they'd be in if they actually went with their initial plan of drafting Mac Jones. Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> How much? I mean, they wouldn't have the they they could just like get rid of Jimmy G, whatever, take a seventh round pick for him, and just move on. They would have 
Mac Jones be their starting quarterback. Mac Jones was good last year. Yeah. yeah. He had a good year last year for sure. You know what I mean? And, and now they're in quarterback purgatory and that's a bad place to be. Quarterback purgatory is somewhere that the Browns have found themselves often. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's not a good place to be. Um, which is it's tough for a team like them too, because like they're a good team, you know, like they're ready mm-hmm. to win now. Um, so yeah, I, I think the longer he's he's still on the roster, the more likely it is that he's just gonna be the starter. Yeah. Which might not be a bad thing for them because give it I know they had a lot of injuries, but they still made it to the NFC Championship game last year. Mm-hmm. So I think, and they went to the Super Bowl just a couple years ago. And if it wasn't for Kyle Shanahan saying, nope, we're going to abandon the run game and I'm going to put it in the hands of Jimmy Garoppolo, they would have actually won the damn Super Bowl. Debatable, but sure. I mean, yeah. Anyway, where do you think would be? Is there anywhere else that you think is like a great fit for Jimmy G? Because like I, I don't see a team out there that like looks like it'd be like, oh, that makes sense. You know what I mean? I can't even say Carolina. The Steelers made more sense to me than anybody before you know the Mitch Trubisky stuff. Yeah, but I'm obviously sure they. Sure the Steelers were going to trade for him. Yeah, I just don't. I, I, I think that. And for Jimmy G's sake, he probably is best off staying put. Indy, maybe? Maybe Indy, yeah. That's all I can really think of. They they were in Deshaun Watson uh, and on him. Yeah, they definitely were interested in pursuing him for sure. So, yeah, that would make a little bit of sense. But, yeah, other than them, nobody really. If Tennessee wasn't in the situation they were with Ryan Tannehill and all that, I would have suggested them, but they can't get out from Ryan Tannehill's contract. Mm. I mean, why would you go from – I mean, that's that would be such a lateral move. Jimmy G and Ryan Tannehill are on the same level of, of quarterback. Yeah. Correct. You know what I mean? You want – you can have Ryan Tannehill or injury-prone Ryan Tannehill. Like, Yeah, that's a good way to <laughs> – Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you have Ryan Tannehill or a guy who's just like him that get hurts a lot. So yeah, good point. So you know, I I never think don't think Tennessee would be an option. Um, But speaking of 49ers quarterbacks, Colin Kaepernick, honorary captain for Michigan's Mason Blue game. Uh, I know him and Jim Harbaugh are buds, but like, what the hell is happening here? I I have no idea. Yeah, no, no sense. No significant ties to the University of Michigan really in any way um but cool i guess like yeah well like it's about all i care about is recruiting really and it's like uh, obviously a lot of recruits are gonna really like you know the gesture made by jim harbaugh inviting him to campus and Mm -hmm. um but yeah i just i don't really understand what's going on either that's that's a good way to put it it's just kind of like one of those things that was like oh okay yeah Um, but i mean i don't know good for both parties. Uh, I don't think that it's like, I don't think it's bad for Michigan and I don't think it's bad for Colin Kaepernick in any way to, to be involved in this capacity. Yeah. So, yeah. It just, it just kind of came out of nowhere and didn't really make much sense, but yeah. Yeah. It feels like a bit of a publicity stunt. I mean, anytime you, uh, you attach the name Colin Kaepernick to anything, it's going to get attention, both good and bad. Uh, yeah. And 
it, it, it'll benefit both parties. It's just weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Kaepernick played at Nevada. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Harbaugh is a weird guy. He employs weird tactics. Like he's, mm-hmm. he once had a, a sleepover at a prospect's house to, to convince a kicker to sign at Michigan. <laughs> um, so yeah, he, he does some bizarre things from time to time. So like, uh, I think he's a good person though. Like I think Jim Harbaugh is a good guy. So like, I, I think he means well here. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's all publicity stunt, but yeah, I can certainly understand why the perception might be that like, yeah, this is for publicity. I just think it's more Jim Harbaugh being a weird guy. That's what it is. That's pretty yeah. much what it is. Seems like it. Yeah. So uh, Brian, I see you have a hashtag qualified in your name there. American. Yes. Uh, just, I didn't have this on your show sheet, but I wanted to throw this in here real quick. United States qualified world cup. We did. We did qualify, and the World Cup draw was today. So we found out this morning uh, who was going to be in our group. And we have in Group B, uh, England, Iran, and then the winner of Wales versus the winner of Scotland and Ukraine. So it's either going to be Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine from Europe, uh, and then Iran and England. So as as a U.S. soccer fan... Very doable group. Um, it's definitely not a group of death situation where um, it's something that they're not going to be able to like find their, their way out of. Um, I, I really like this group if it's Scotland or Ukraine um, a lot more than if it's Wales. Um, Wales still has Gareth Bale playing at a very, very high level. I think they're a dangerous team. But um, Scotland, Ukraine, they don't really worry me too much at all. So England and the United States should come out of Group E fairly easily which is awesome because that's my two squads like u.s before everything but then england Um, is it coming home it's coming home to america though that's what i hate to tell my friends over over it's coming home to america yes we have the the greatest american soccer player of all time christian pulisic who is going so good yeah he is he's already at 20 22 23 years old the the best player in u.s soccer history um, hands down. So yeah. yeah, it's an exciting time to be a U.S. soccer fan. We didn't make it to the last World Cup, which was disappointing because that was an embarrassment. Yeah, I mean, we had guys like Pulisic and McKenney and you know these guys that have been playing overseas for teams like Barcelona and Chelsea, and who were ready for that big stage, and we didn't get to see them. So yeah, a lot of people have been waiting a long time to see this iteration of the men's soccer team um, and what they can do on the world stage. So I, I, I think our chances are as good as ever to make it to the quarterfinals area. Yeah. Just get me to the knockout rounds. That's all I want. Knockout rounds. Yeah, always respectable. If you make it to the World Cup and you get to the knockout rounds, it's always respectable. Um, but you want to see some kind of progress. And I feel like a quarterfinal appearance would be like the next step. And then, you know, four years down the road, maybe be looking at like, okay, we actually might have a chance of winning this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're going to find out a lot, a lot, a lot about this U.S. team in this World Cup because CONCACAF isn't the stiffest competition. Um, A lot lot of these guys that we think are like dudes, you know, we haven't seen them do it against, you know, a team like England yet. Um, So, yeah, awesome time to be a U.S. soccer fan. I want to get more into soccer. I'm trying. I I think I'll try watching World Cup and see if that does it. Yeah, That's and for me, people who don't understand too, 
there's four teams in the group, obviously. Two teams come out of each group. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's round robin. Every team plays each other once. Uh, a win is worth three points. A tie is worth one. Um, and then goal differential is the first tiebreaker and then or head to head and then goal differential. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, being in a pod with England, Iran and then Wales, Scotland or Ukraine, um, the U.S. is definitely two of the top five teams out of there. So, yeah, they should be they should be able to get out of this group is the point. So very excited. They should. You, you mentioned uh, England. Excuse me. Bless you. <laughs> you, you mentioned England, uh, Premier League in England. It's going to have five substitutes this year. This is a little bit of a throwback to when they came back after COVID, when they have five subs. Yeah. This is one of the ways that COVID has um, changed the game. You know, right. they introduced, you know, more substitutions out of necessity. Um, I mean, one of the great things about soccer is that, like, there's so few substitutes. You know, right. and once, once you sub out, you're done. You know, your game's yeah. over. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of soccer purists, football purists who are probably going to be really upset with it, but as a fan of the game and a fan of goal scoring, um, I think this is awesome because uh, the opportunity to get two more sets of fresh legs onto the field late in games, um, I guarantee that the scoring is going to go up. Um, it's going to have a good impact for that. Um, so yeah, and ultimately you have a guy like Christian Pulisic, who's like the fear used to be like, do I go to a team like Chelsea where, you know, I'm, I'm only one of, you know, a 23 point <laughs> roster. Like, am I good enough to break the top 11 for them? Um, and when you allow for five substitutions, guys who are on the bubble, like a, a Serginho Dest or a, a McKenney, when they go to make that decision, it's mm -hmm. going to make that decision a lot easier because they're going to see way more opportunities this way. Do you so know, it's good for Americans, for sure. <laughs> do, do you know who I think uh, is gonna, uh, which team's gonna benefit a lot from this? It really? is Manchester United because they have so many just attackers that never play because they're mm -hmm. not, they don't make the starting, uh, starting eleven, and yeah. they don't get in for one reason or another during the subs. And they have guys that just are like they're not playing. It's just like, why the hell aren't they playing? Right. I, I think, you know, you, you see them make substitutions sometimes just like, okay, mm -hmm. that's fine. Or they end up just making like a late game substitution, like right when extra time begins. It's just right. like, yeah, you had to be way more tactical when you only got three substitutions. So you're talking right. about substituting a like, like for like and, and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. when you have five subs, you can, you can be a little creative. And it's like, if you just see somebody out there that, you know, you don't necessarily like what you're seeing from them. You're not necessarily afraid to sub them out for a, a player of an other position. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, it's, I, I think it's going to make it more exciting um, personally, but um, yeah, it's, it's happening. It's official. So. Yeah. yeah. So sorry about the soccer, soccer chat for about seven minutes, but. Special occasion. We qualified for the World Cup for the first time in eight years. So, and, and the Premier League introduced a, a very like landscape shifting substitution policy. Right. But, so uh, we apologize, but <laughs> we will go back to um, American sports. Why and yeah. now back to your regularly scheduled program. <laughs> uh, we we talked about jerseys a little bit earlier. Uh, both the Nationals and Wizards came out with uh, Bloom jerseys. You know, Nationals for the City Connect, 
uh, series that Major League Baseball is doing and the Wizards for their uh, city edition for mm. next year. Yes. Um, the Wizards got it right. The Nationals, did, the Nationals are horrible. Shit, you stole my jersey. Yeah, the Nationals. <laughs> when I saw the Nationals jerseys, I'm just like, what is it? Like, yeah, that one doesn't do anything for me. But I thought the Wizards bloom jersey is really sweet. I'm a big <laughs> fan. Um, I know that you guys aren't as crazy about the, the transition on the, the, uh, on the shorts. Um, I, I hate it. That's my, that's my least favorite thing. I, it's the thing I hate the most on any type of jersey is, yeah. is, is color gradients like that. I, I can't stand it. Uh, as a fan, it, it, like I don't concern myself with the shorts as often because I would never wear a full uniform anyway. <laughs> but like I will wear the top, you know? So like for me, I, I I don't care as much about the shorts. Um, but but yeah, I I really like the, the tops. I think they got one hundred percent correct. I think they're real nice. Yeah. But yeah, the the other thing I didn't get about the Nationals was like the going with WSH. You know, like it, I don't know. It's just why not Washington? Why not DC? Why not anything other than WSH? You know what I mean? Like yeah. Or even DMV, like, you know, there's a lot of people have a lot of pride in that region, you know, being involved from all three of those states, you know. So, like, incorporating that in some way could have been a cool way to, like, influence the city edition. But, yeah, I think they had a lot of opportunities that they missed with this one. Yeah. I'm just, I need to refresh my memory here real quick of what exactly it looks like. Oh Jesus! This—that was—it's one was of those mistake. looks that is just very forgettable. That, that was a mistake. It, it, it looks like it's made of like t-shirt material. That, I don't know. This is just like it's bad. I like the hat. The hat. Yeah. I like the hat, <laughs> but it's it's a a weird gray color that doesn't appear in their normal. Color sets, which I guess is fine, because that's what they're doing with the City Connect. Like the, the the Boston ones are like bright, you know, bright yellow and light blue. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, it's fine. But I'm looking at these and like, doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. Yeah. When I first saw the Red Sox in that bright yellow and bright blue, I'm like, wait, I. It took me a second to figure out that it was the Red Sox. I'm like, wait, what? I yeah, I thought that they missed an opportunity here to do like a. Because the cherry blossoms, you know, that's what they're honoring, the cherry blossom trees. Like, why not, some, why not use, like, some kind of, like, vine wrappage, some floral, you know, look or something? Like, they, they could have done a lot of interesting things with this. But they went gray, which is, like, gray doesn't make me think of spring and blossoming. And, you know what I mean? Like, so in that way, I think that the color scheme didn't make sense to me. Uh, you're right. Gray makes me think of Ohio like nine months out of the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dirty snow. That's what yeah, it dirty snow or the sky's just gray in the middle mm -hmm. of July for no reason. Um, you know like the Arizona iced tea cans though? How they yeah. have like, the floral. That would, be, that would have been so good. Or so good. idea, like make the jersey that pink color. Yeah, exactly. The color of the flower, you know? And Yeah. yeah I just think that they could have been like, they could have been brave with this one and like took a chance and like made something really cool and unique. And instead they, they just went really safe and boring. I mean, yeah. they could have had like an awesome one last year, like Miami's last year. Those were awesome. Those uh, were the White awesome. Sox ones were awesome. You know, the, 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 the inverted 
pinstripe, you know, uh, colors. Those were awesome. Yeah, those were really cool. Yeah, I we end up with, with with this, which is easily the worst one, slightly edging out like what the Giants. Yeah, yeah. probably. I don't even remember the was were the Giants ones that that like orange. Yeah, it, it had like a, a G on it for some reason that was like not this giant spots, and there was like uh, a, a bridge with fog obscuring some of like the lower parts. On the oh street. yeah, 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 and, like, yeah. Those were terrible. Yeah, those were awful. I, don't, I love this though. Anytime they're introducing more looks, like I think it's a good thing. I, I love it. And, and side note, those jerseys are in the new MLB The Show. Huge for and players like. Players like us who care about stuff like that, like I literally, when like growing up playing Madden and things like that, like I remember in certain editions of Madden, I played with certain teams because they had certain uniforms with them. Yeah. I remember when I would play, you know, the the Mike Vick edition of Madden, there was a very specific uniforms outfit that I had designed for every time I played. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, it's cool for, for, Fans of stuff like that, like it is really cool that the show already has incorporated that into the game. Yeah. Good on yeah. I usually play, I like to play with alternate or throwback uniforms on all the time. Like mm. pretty much 90% of the time, I'm not wearing the standard home or road. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, like I, I'll use the Phillies and use the, the light blue jerseys from like the 70s that they ah, have yep. in their rotation. Uh, I'm good. playing with the Mets, I'm wearing the black jersey, you know. That is a very divisive among Mets fans. Uh, you know I what love I mean? The blacks. I, I think that black jerseys are great, and more teams should should try to do that. Yeah. You know, if, if I played when they were the Plum Indians, if I played with the Indians, I would use their 80s jerseys. I, also, when I use the Mets, I use their 80s jerseys too. The mm-hmm. Like the racing stripes on the sleeves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the problem with black is it's a summertime sport, you know, and it just does not play in the sun well. You it's know, great it's for awesome. nighttime, late games. But yeah, but for you know, for late games and in, in the fall and stuff, like yeah, black jerseys would be really cool. Night night games, man, they pop, they pop off those lights. They My biggest cool. hope for this transition to Guardians was that we would make black one of the primary colors. I, I was really hoping. Yeah. Really hoping that black became a primary color and like somehow they they incorporated that, but instead we went uber safe. They went super safe and I'm okay with it though. Like at first I wasn't, but now I'm like the more that I see them, the more I like them. And the same with the name. It's like it's okay. It's not it's not as bad as everybody freaking out wants to pretend like you know that logo is terrible. The baseball logo is bad, but the, 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 the block T is okay. The the diamond C is what they yeah are. yeah diamond is what the diamond C. the diamond C is better than the block C yeah I'll, I I'll agree it's an upgrade on the the block C in my opinion the, the yeah. flying G baseball that's fucking dumb. terrible that's dumb yeah. it's yeah. so bad a third grader could have drawn a better logo than that like, yeah I mean or just use like the image of the guardian like one of the bridges you know what I mean like incorporate it somehow like but to do a baseball it's so generic. It's like something like when I would use like Microsoft Word when I was in like grade school and mm-hmm. use clip art and like all of my like book reports would have like clip art of like images on it in ridiculous spots. Yeah. That's what it looks like. It looks like a seven-year-old used clip art on a baseball book report <laughs> and, like threw in, <laughs> and, and just threw in a random baseball image. And it was like, oh, there we go. We'll use that. Yeah. It's clip art. That's what it is to me. It's it, it really does. They're, they're, 
I'm not the biggest fan of their font choice that they chose. I, I know that they wanted to intentionally change the font, and I'm fine with that. I really don't care for the fonts all that much. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. crazy yeah. about it either, but it's okay, you know. It's it's, it's okay. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's all like a solid four and a half, five. I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. just like, okay, that's it. Yeah. Are the I, Guardians going to come out with a City Connect theme jersey? They don't they're not gonna have one this year. Oh. Oh, that stinks. I thought they were, I thought that they were going to. Damn. What would you what would you want on a Guardians City Connect jersey? Yeah, that's part of the problem is like part of the City Connect thing is that it's different from the standard and like we don't have a standard yet. We've never had this it, it's it, yeah. it, it's basically just what it was. They just changed the name and font, but like it can't be an homage to anything. For the love of God, please don't have a goddamn guitar on it. That's all I can say. Right, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, so please. Uh, um, yeah. It probably will, though. It, it, I mean, that's what the All-Star Game logo was. It was a goddamn guitar. Always. Yeah. Yep. At least the NBA All-Star Game logo wasn't a guitar. Dude, collective sigh of relief across Cleveland sports Twitter when that, that happened. It wasn't a guitar. Or, you know, or it wasn't like a bass drum on a drum set. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they could have done that, too. Yeah. The uh, Alan Cox show, they talked about this a lot. And he was one of the rare people that was a proponent of it. And I just don't understand why. I, I, I hate it. I hate it when they try and do that. I don't know what they're going to try and do. Maybe they, maybe they incorporate the Guardian statue because it's not actually on the uniform, whatever. Yeah. You know, anyway, maybe they go with that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Or, or if they use like some kind of like caricaturized version of the bridge statue in some way, like they could have done, you know, there's things they can try to do at least other than I still think it's funny that like we, none of us knew what the, those statues were even called before. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I really expected us to go nautical. Like it, it's like, it's so rare to have a, a team on a, on a lake, you know, a great lake. You know what I mean? Like it seemed like there's so many opportunities to do something nautical themed with the guardians for the city connectors. jerseys that I think could probably hit. Oh, I thought you meant for the name. Well, that too, but I'm just saying for now going into the future, like it, that's something I would like to see them try to incorporate a little more. Maybe. Okay. Did you see that Tom Hanks is going to throw out the first pitch mm-hmm. at, at the home opener? For yeah. us? Yes. Yeah. Oh, sweet. nice. I'm in. He's been a he's been a Cleveland uh, now Guardians fan since the seventies when he lived here. My favorite Guardians fan personally is Charlie Sheen. <laughs> he is the most iconic Guardians fan of all time. I think. Unfortunately, I cannot watch or go to the Guardians home opener because that is the first night of Passover. Ah. Uh... That's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a night game, so that's gonna be a whole different level of intensity among the fan base. Um, yeah. Dude, drinking all day. A lot of pops gonna be had out there. Yep, a lot of pops. I love that they're doing bogo to try and sell out the game. I mean, they're not the only team that's having issues selling tickets for the home opener, but like, it's bad. It, we knew it was gonna be bad, but not this bad. Yeah. They're trying to give away tickets right now. That's crazy. Yeah. Nobody wants them. Nobody wants them. Nobody wants them. I'm probably going to be a sucker and pay, you know, $200 for, you know, four tickets that I'm not even going to sit in. But um, 
My plan is going and just uh, just scalping, just right before game time when somebody's desperate to get rid of them. You know those people that hang on too long because they're looking for too much, mm-hmm. and then at the last minute they let them go. Like you can get some really good seats that way. Yeah, I don't know you how can. that is, but they don't they don't have paper tickets anymore, so it's gonna have to be a. Ah, uh, yeah, you'd have to do like QR transactions. Yeah, like yeah. SeatGeek or uh, StubHub. Yeah, or that MLB. At ballpark app, whatever. Yeah, that one too. I mean, can we talk about how bullshit the ticket industry is in general? Like, just, just for a little side note, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm personally, I'm pissed that they got rid of the paper tickets because, I mean, I could show you right now. I have a ton of like books where I collect tickets. I yeah, I used to use my tickets as bookmarks and stuff like that. Like, I like to have a physical souvenir. I'm like that too. I. Yeah, I mean, NFTs. You're gonna leave with an NFT from the, the game. The the tickets are cool, like, but I understand why they got rid of them. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's like a high overhead that they, high they, overhead and environmentally way more friendly. A lot more environmentally friendly, and like, if it could be done digitally, why the hell have a physical form of it? So like, that's the problem. It's just so much more convenient and easy. But um, you know, you can you can create your own digital souvenir somehow you could print out you know your stub hub thing and yep. still have something but but i do like like some of the older tickets for like the world series like they'd have like watermarked designs in them and stuff like and those are cool yep. those are the kind of tickets that i really wish that you still could you know yeah. have but see mm-hmm. i have this ticket book that one uh of course you do that one okay. and, i don't have any ticket books but i, I have like a Ziploc container. Yeah, I've got them all over the place. They're just everywhere. Yeah. Anywhere that I have things in storage, I'll find tickets of concerts and sporting events and just thrown in there. Yeah, because I guess they always just hang on to them, or at least just like one of them. You know, just for, you know, if everyone else is going away, I'm like, I'll just hang on to one. Yep. So oh, people would give me like all of theirs. So, like, for some reason, they're like, hey, I don't want my tickets. I'm like, okay, I'll take them. <laughs> I will say this: all of my tickets are actually my tickets, though. I yeah. I, I, yeah. I use them all personally. A majority <laughs> of my tickets in my collection are mine. Some of them my parents just give me from events that they go to and stuff. Fun fact: I have two tickets that were both mine from one game, the 500th game at the Big House. I have my ticket, my student ticket that got me into the doors, and then I have my scalp ticket that got me back into the doors. After being tossed out in the second quarter by Campus PD, so I had two tickets from that day, and I used them both. Nice. That's, yeah, that's one, of nice. My, one of my favorite souvenirs that I have is two tickets that I used both of on the same day. Two tickets. Ah ah ah. Exactly. Exactly. All right, let's get into some uh, some baseball stuff here. Uh, Albert Pujols returns to St. Louis. Makes makes so much sense, right? They got yeah. the DH now. He doesn't have to play in the field. Doesn't have to play every day. Absolutely. Just launch bombs. It, him and him and Yachty can have one more season together and then retire, then go into the Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Famers five years from now, whatever the hell the timeline is. One hundred percent. Yeah, I love this. I love this for him. I love this for St. Louis. I think it just makes sense all around. Um, yeah, that I think that the DH rule 
the Shohei Otani rule or whatever you want to call the new the new it's the universal DH. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, that. that rule definitely has uh impacted, I think, that move. It made it way more possible and feasible and understandable for them to make. So yeah, I'm sure that that played into it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, because you can't put him in the field anymore. No, you can't. There, there's a reason why he was DHing in uh, LA. Okay, right. you know, for the Angels. Yeah, but, you know, good feel good story. I always thought he would probably end his career in St. Louis, just like one farewell season. Yeah, it always made sense that that would happen for them. Yeah, they're just like when with the team that plays like tradition. And... Yeah. Oh yeah, when Hall of Fame. Yeah, when he goes into the Hall of Fame, he ha- for sure he'll go in as a Cardinal. Well, yeah, he won World Series there. Yeah, he didn't win shit in L.A. Yeah, he, he won World Series titles with the Cardinals. He so, made his money yeah. in L.A. But he won in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, not that he didn't make millions of dollars in St. Louis as well, but that that contract that took him away from there was massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, At yeah. the time, anyway. Now it's a lot more commonplace. I mean, contract that big but LA really the Angels really went for it for a minute there they had they signed Pujols to that giant deal they signed Josh Hamilton to that to his deal like they went for it it didn't work but they went for it 100% did go for it uh looking at the Yankees uh they got some problems with their pitching rotation with guys not named Garrett Cole Mm. Uh, who has his own issues that he has to deal with anyways. But uh, Luis Severino has body soreness. Like, this guy has just fallen off the face of the planet since he was, like, good for, like, a year, like, five years ago. Yeah. yeah. I-, I can't agree more. Like, it- it's just a- one thing after another, too. Um, but, yeah, they have some serious issues uh, on that staff that they need to uh, address, put it that way. They are not one of the better staffs. No. Not. This does not help, you know. Adding insult, adding injury to insult, uh, does not help. Yeah, I mean, their rotations outside of Garrett Cole is is, is kind of gross to look at. Jordan Montgomery, Luis Severino, Jamison Tyon, Nestor Cortez. Mm. Yeah, they're, and their bullpen outside of or all Chapman, same problem. Jonathan uh, Weiss, yeah. Chad Green, Clay Holmes, Wandy Peralta. Who I'm always surprised is still in the league, and uh, Joel A. Rodriguez. Mm. Yeah, right now I would say the Yankees are probably third best team in that division. I think it's possible that the Yankees finish fourth in that division. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. When you look at, I mean, look at fourth place in that division last year was the Blue Jays, and the Blue Jays won 91 games. Yeah. So, so yeah, fourth place is very possible for the Yankees. Absolutely. I, I just look at their roster. They have a ton of just injury prone guys in that lineup. You know, uh, Josh Donaldson, uh, Aaron Hicks, Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton. Like, they're good players when healthy, but when healthy, they get hurt all the time. Yes. Yeah, that's been the story on a lot of those guys. Has been injury, you know, injuries and. That's just like something like the Yankees are just constantly dealing with is like star players being injured. Like they always have these guys that are just like injury prone. Yeah. But going, uh, going from guys on the Yankees that are hurt all the time to the Pittsburgh pirates doing Pittsburgh pirates things. Uh, they optioned O'Neill Cruz down to AAA as a development decision. They're manipulating service time. That's what yep. they're doing. That's let's, exactly let's, what they're doing. 
let's not even pretend like they're not. That's what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing. O'Neill Cruz has like nothing left to prove in the minors. They're just, they're going to hold him down there for two weeks or 15 days or whatever until it's time for him to, uh, so they have that extra year of control. Then they'll bring him up. Like that's exactly what they're doing. He'll be down there for two weeks or maybe a month. And then he'll be their starting shortstop. And they'll have their young left side of the infield with Brian Hayes and O'Neill Cruz. Yes. But like, it's just like, we had the, the giant lockout, the CBA negotiations to try and prevent stuff like this from happening. And, you know, here we go. Pirates go, watch this. We're going to do we're gonna do what we always do, manipulate service time, uh, suppress players, and that's just where we're at. I feel like I should be surprised, but it's the Pirates, so I'm not. It, it's the Pirates. They're, 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 like, saying that they're not taking trade offers or trade calls for Brian Reynolds, but I think they're taking trade calls for Brian Reynolds. Yeah, I think so, too. I hope someone's calling. Someone that we're all familiar with, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be great if uh, Cleveland would call, but uh, I don't think they're going to. Uh, but uh, thoughts on O'Neill Cruz uh, being sent down for development seasoning? Man, I I I, I don't know. I, I it didn't make sense to me. I, I mean, it's the Pirates, you know. Like if ever there is a team that's just like, why not just why not get this guy up now? It's mm-hmm. the Pirates, you know. So yeah. this one shocked me a little bit, but um, it's also, you know, it's a financial decision too in some way. I'm sure that they have their reasoning for doing it that way, and it probably has something to do with them being cheap. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought he's – I think he's ready. He's as ready as anybody in that um, farm system to be there now. Yeah. But, yeah, this one actually surprised me a little bit. Got a little bit of an update on our next thing on the list here, and that would be Jacob DeGrom having a tight shoulder. Uh, this is from Jeff Passon 30 minutes ago. Uh, Jacob DeGrom will miss opening day after imaging showed a stress reaction in his right scapula. Uh, no time, no timetable for his return. He's expected to miss a significant amount of time to start 2022. Hmm. Let me ask you this. Do you think we're going to see a lot of this with the way that baseball has had to ramp back up in a non-traditional way? Yeah, we're, we're going to. We're going to see this just rampant injuries again like we did in 2020 in the COVID season. And, and this is something that they had to see coming, too. And it's like the, the pressure the pressure was on to get things done way earlier than they got things done. Like, thank God it's done now and, like, we don't have to worry about it anymore. But, like, still an embarrassment and really bad for the league what what it's done and it's going to have a lasting impact on this season and i think that the impact's going to be a lot of baseball star players that they're going to be leaning on to breathe life back into the sport um are going to be sitting on the sidelines with injuries that they might not have had uh had things gone differently in terms of the timetable you know what else is sad though is like people recognize nfl players even though they wear like helmets where you can't see their face more often than they recognize an MLB player where you can actually like see, see them. Like, you know, people know who Justin Herbert is yet. Do a lot of people know who Mike Trout is? Maybe that's a bad example, but you get what I'm saying. I think that's a bad example, but I think that that's true of a lot of people that like, it's just not like, Football is the king in this country when it comes exactly. to football. So like those guys, like 
they achieve a level of celebrity that guys in baseball can't really achieve in this market yet, you know, um, that they're definitely trying to do some new things to uh, change that, you know, with the rule changes and, um, you know, we're going to get to it later. You know, they've got some new ideas for the home run derby and, and you know, they're definitely trying some new things. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that this is going to be a big problem this season, the injuries. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, it's, a, it's a big hit for the Mets rotation. We'll, we'll talk more about that, you know, how it's going to sort out in the NL East uh, next, on our next show when we do a big baseball breakdown preview. Uh, but another guy going to be out for a minute. Evan Longoria is having finger surgery. Um, yeah, that one stinks too. Uh, that's going to impact the Giants and, and their hope to, you know, stay relevant in the NL West. I, I think last year might have been a blip for them. Just like I you know. agree. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Mike Matheny uh, got a, a club option exercise uh, with the Royals. Uh, made sense. He's, he's okay. He's okay yeah. as, a, as, a, as a manager. Uh, he's fine. And, you know, you, you look at the Royals, they're probably – I think this is going to work out well for him. And the reason why is because I don't think the Royals are there yet. I think they'll take a, a leap of sorts next year, mm-hmm. the year that his club option on his contract is, and that could set him up for a much larger deal with the Royals down the line. Yeah, to me, that's why exercising this option made sense. It, mm-hmm. You know, this team isn't ready yet anyway. Like, why not? take the option on his contract, see how things go, and then, you know, reevaluate at the end of the season from there. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, this one made sense for me. Um, it, obviously, like, if I was a Royals fan, it's not something that, like, is going to be all all too exciting, but it makes sense. So, Yeah. The Royals are nothing special, but I don't think they're going to be, like, a terrible team. They'll probably finish third in the division, if I had to guess. Well, we're going to do our predictions next week, so don't give away too much about what you think about the division. Okay. The, the Royals are fine. They have some exciting players. Uh, at some point this year, we are going to see, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. Mm. Yeah. That's supposed to be special. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But anyways. They've got one of my favorite players on their roster, baseball guy Whit Merrifield. He is just a I, – I love that guy. Yeah. He's I, fun. He's yeah, fun. he's fun to watch. He's just like a really throwback baseball player that like the things I love about baseball, like he he reminds me of. So I like watching him play. Is it just me or does it feel like the Royals are trying to get back to what they were in 2014 and 2015 with like just stealing bases left and right? Well, that's the way they have to operate. They're, they're not going to have yeah. any any big contracts on their roster. That, why do you think, you know, they, they didn't retain Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakas? They can only pay one of them. And the guy they paid was Salvador Perez. Right. Yeah, I, I think you hit it right on the head. You know, when you're a small market team like them, like you have to operate within your your the confines of your pay structure and what you can't afford. And Right. For them, like, you know, small ball makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. you can get a lot more tactically out of playing small ball with, you know, less talented players, you know, so you kind of have to. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's the other reason too, that like it made sense to stick with Matheny because like he's shown that he can fit into that, that mold at least. And mm-hmm. like, he can manage that style of team. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that we'll continue to see that style of play from them uh, for years to come, unless, you know, they get bought out by some 
oil billionaire or something. Who knows? Yeah, this has to operate within their means. And operating with their means is employing a lot of on-base percentage contacts, stealing bases types. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, every time, uh, you know, Cleveland would play Kansas City, uh, Alberto Mondesi and Whit Merrifield would absolutely terrorize uh, this team. You know, uh, Mondesi not as much as he couldn't get on base at a good rate. Whenever he did, he'd steal a base immediately. And, and, and Whit Merrifield's just doubles. Yeah. Doubles and stolen yeah. bases. But he's a very good player to have in your fantasy team. I'll tell you that. Yeah, um, and then there was Mike Sweeney, the Indian killer. Oh, yeah. Um, time in the sun. Like, good Lord, he used to just terrorize us. Re- remember uh, Billy Butler? Dutton yes. Billy Butler? Billy Butler, too, yeah. Breakfast, all-time nickname, by the way. Breakfast. Um, <laughs> yeah. One of the best nicknames. And Alex Gordon completely terrorized Cleveland. I was oh, yeah. just going to bring him up. Oh, he did all the time. But – uh that's those are the guys they have to, to use, and those guys usually there for a long time. And they're they're good, not great players, closer to average than great. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They're they're generally they they see when they have a window. They and they they take the moment to try and seize it. And when they can't, or after they do, they revert back to tearing it down a little bit. And, mm-hmm. Yep. But whatever. Uh, Brian, home run derby X. Yeah. I kind of hinted at this earlier. Um, this is pretty wild, huh? Yeah. Um, so my understanding of this is that this is like a, a touring event for Major League Baseball. Um, and it's going to be several several different events um, being a part of a tour, which eventually leads to uh, one team being crowned champion. Um, it sounds like they're going to do it in several different countries and different host cities and the four teams that are going to be represented are the Dodgers, Red Sox, Cubs, and Yankees, which makes perfect sense. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. They've got some former players that are going to be representing them. Um, they're also going to be doing some really interesting things. Um, James, I think you could probably speak to the next part of the home run derby a little bit better that that influence from MVP baseball 2005 when you had the home run derbies inside of the living room and you got points for breaking the glass plate or hitting the grandfather clock. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that and how they're going to incorporate that. Cause that's pretty cool. I mean, that's going to be fun. I mean, yeah. you, you just, you, you look at just all of the, you know, the, the fun stuff that they're trying to make it different. They're trying to just give us something. I mean, everyone loves hitting home runs, but adding like the, the extra stuff on there, a lot more fun. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the field is being described as like a rever- a reduced version of a baseball field. Home plate is going to be mounted on a stage. The pitcher's mound is going to be mounted on a podium. Um, and then I like the idea too, like uh, players of the opposing team can are going to be in the outfield and they can score points by uh, catching balls that don't make it over the fence. Um huh. Yeah, so uh, the defense is going to be a part of it as well. And they're also going to have targets in the outfield uh, placed at different distances, each one of them being worth various amounts of points. And if you hit those targets, you get that amount of points. Um, So, yeah, inspired by that old MVP baseball where, like, you could play in the living room. uh, They had all kind of different, like, places you could play and, like, get points for hitting targets and stuff. But (laughs) cool idea. I think it sounds really fun. 
you know, you gotta you gotta do something besides just a regular home run derby for it. And I think that's this is this is perfect for it. The, the fences are also significantly shorter. Uh two eighty to three hundred I saw center right. field. So that makes sense considering some of the players are older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Uh, but, I, I I know everyone's uh, favorite Nick Swisher can probably still hit him out of a regular ballpark, but uh, there's a reason it's going to be a reduced field. Yeah, yeah, there's a reason for that. Giovanni Soto, Nick Swisher, Johnny Gomes, Adrian Gonzalez are the baseball stars representing each of those cities. Good thing they moved in the fence because so Adrian Gonzalez can hit a home run because uh, yeah, that dude hit just fell off a cliff. Yeah, um, he was part of that all-time bad group of Red Sox signings. Remember when they had like Adrian Gonzalez and Carl Crawford at the yeah. same time? That's yes. bad. Yeah, they were they were bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think this is fun, and I think it's experimental, and it, it's it sounds like it could be really cool, but like it's also set up for this to be an utter disaster because oh, yeah. it's taking place over multiple days across a long period of time. So if the first one stinks and is an absolute dud, uh, the first one's going to be on July 9th. The next one's not until uh, the best birthday in the world, September 17th. Um, so you have from July until September until the next event for all of the media outlets to pick apart everything that was wrong with it, why it sucked, if it does stink, before they have to go out and do it again in an entirely different city in an entirely different country and continue to generate that level of interest. So... This is either going to be really good and really fun, or it's going to be a big time and money waster. This yep. could be baseball's fire fest. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's just be legends. Why not try it, though? You know, I'm all for it because, like we said earlier, baseball is not. They need to do king. something. And they this need is to do something. And this yeah. is something. So at the end of the day, I think this is going to be a really good thing. I think it's going to be fun. But yeah, I, it does kind of have the potential to be. Um, a huge disaster. They had to make an attempt at doing something, and this is their attempt. Right. But my understanding is we're still having the home run derby on All-Star Weekend, like the normal home run derby. Awesome. So, yeah. So where's we're still the, getting that. Where's the All-Star game this year? Dodgers. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Speaking then, of home run derbies, every ballpark's now going to have a humidor. This is kind of big. It's going to see increased home run rates in places where, that have, you know, more, uh, I guess, moisture in the air. Yeah. So any any ballpark right next to a body of water, going to have more home runs. Mm-hmm. And, and Cleveland is kind of hitter-friendly already, and they're going to be one of those teams. Yeah. Yeah. A- a- anything that's going to make the, the ball go farther and higher uh, and <laughs> faster – I'm okay with because that's good for the game at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, this this is cool. It's interesting to see them incorporating like some sports science into things, you know. Like, but yeah, the the amount of moisture in the air will affect how far uh, the ball can travel. So yeah, this is a good idea. It makes sense, and hopefully, it does have a positive impact. Yeah, I mean, the Rockies are just going to get more home runs. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for a city like. For a city like Denver, that's already got balls flying out of the yard. It'll be interesting. But yeah. you've got teams like New York, too, with the real short porch and right field, or uh, even Fenway, you know, like with the short porch and left. Like, I think that this is going to lead to a lot, a lot more. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. 
Which some people are like crazy about, uh, which I don't understand. I think uh, more home runs is always good for the game. And if you could do it without incorporating steroids into the game, uh, then that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many more home runs we'll get. We'll see get hit over the green monster because, you know, it's already difficult to hit a home run over the green monster anyway, but it'll create more excitement. Hitting a home run in Boston is a lot easier than you'd think. You'd think that the high wall is like a huge factor, but with guys in their launch angle now, like it's really, really the fact that it's a shorter porch is is more important um, than yeah. that it's super tall. Um, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying though. Like you still have to, you still got to put the ball up in the air to get over that thing. Yeah. You do. I think it's more advantageous for lefties to go to right field in Boston with how ridiculously short it is. Oh uh, yeah, the the pesky pole over there too. Yeah, if you could wrap it around that pole, um, that that porch is what like three fifteen, three oh five. I don't know. It's, it's not short. Really you know that. Yeah, it's short. It's uh, right field three oh two. Three oh two. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Like uh, my. High school baseball diamond was way longer than that to right field. We were three twenty-five uh, to right. For reference, Yankee Stadium right field is three fourteen. <laughs> so so God damn! I wish that our high school had that short of a porch so I could <laughs> put a couple more over. Because yeah, we were at three three twenty-five to left and right, and uh, four hundred and five to center. So. Mm. Well, we got about fifteen minutes left or so. If I'm doing my math right. Almost 15 minutes left, yes. Okay, so we're going to transition to basketball, starting with the NCAA tournament. I know everybody's talking about the men's Final Four, but tonight is the women's Final Four. And you got some good matchups in there. You got Louisville against South Carolina and UConn against Stanford. I don't know if you saw the double overtime thriller between UConn and North Carolina State the other night, but it was a it was a fantastic matchup. So I would suggest watching the women's final four tonight. I think they are going to be two amazing games because you got three number one seeds and a number two seed. But yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad there was at least a little bit of parity in the women's tournament this year. But at the end of the day, it's still pretty chalk in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the one thing about the game that that kind of bores me a little bit is it can be a little bit predictable. Um, but yeah, these are really good teams and are really good matchups. Like I don't I don't think that you know I, I think they're both going to be good games. Put it that way. It's not going to be two blowouts. That's for sure. Um, Correct. Yeah, it's as competitive of a Final Four for the women's side that I can remember in, in some time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pick UConn because UConn. Gino Gino Ariana, as long as he's still there and coaching, I'm gonna pick UConn too. Yeah, I'm going with UConn. Yeah, it, it's what you got to do. I mean, you, you, it's it's foolish not to. Yeah, it, it's one of those things you do it until it proves you wrong, and it hasn't yet. So. Correct. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Let's let's talk about the uh, the men's final four now. Uh, Duke UNC. I am so freaking excited about this game. You have no idea. Let's go Tar Heels. Fuck Coach K. Yes, go Heels. I am on your. T- I'm on their squad for this one as well. Josh, you're the lone Duke fan. No, I'm actually not rooting for Duke. 
Oh, you're I'm, for UNC? Nah, I'm just going to – in this case, I'm just going to be – I just I hope both teams have fun. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you say that? Say no. It. I'm just going to enjoy this as a college basketball fan because for me, I you know how much I love this rivalry. So, um, I'm just going to enjoy it for that. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to me that we haven't got this matchup in the Final Four yet before, you know, so. Let alone uh, in March Madness. This is the first time they're ever really? in March Madness. Yeah, it's it's kind of shocking. But, um, yeah, it's it's awesome to see it mean something this much. You know what I mean? Like, it, rather than it being a regular season affair, you know. Um, so it's as big of a Duke-UNC uh, game as there's ever been. Um, the stage is huge, obviously, with Coach K retiring and this being his swan song or whatever. Um, yeah, uh, the storylines are good, though, you know. Yeah, I um, cannot wait for this matchup. It's going to be fun. So who you guys got? I've got uh, – I've actually got Duke winning this one, but I'm I'm picking – I like UNC, though. Um, I can't see Duke losing this game. So you got Duke too? Yeah, I, I think I think Duke wins. Honestly, I hate to say that, even though like North Carolina thrashed them earlier this season, mm-hmm. like I, I think Duke's gonna end up winning. And let me tell you, it will make great content to watch Big Cat continue to just fall apart, just melt down every time that he wins again. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, oh. Unfortunately, too. Like uh, I mean, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but if there's ever been a team that they really 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 want to make it to the finals it's duke yeah Um, so yeah that that uh that whole storyline has me thinking like yeah it'd be kind of silly to pick against them um and let's look at it too as this like in in terms of duke what they usually are this is a good duke team in terms of unc and what unc usually are they're not as great you know what i mean they they were a bubble team they really didn't cement their place in the tournament to begin with um Mm -hmm. They're not a typical UNC powerhouse team. So I think for that reason, the cream rises to the top and this Duke team ends up winning it. But definitely a good season by UNC and overachieved. Yeah. Can we talk about the fact, too, that the Big Ten had nine teams in the tournament, and when it got down to the Elite Eight, they had, what, one? Uh, I'm telling you, too, we tried telling you that before the tournament that the Big Ten is not that good. It's an illusion. And we found that out very, very quickly. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's just not. Uh, the, the ACC is still the best conference in college basketball, um, in my opinion. They and, have what, yeah, three teams left in the Elite Eight, I believe. Duke, UNC, and Miami. Yeah. Oh, in the Elite. There's only four teams left now, though. Yeah. I'm talking about, in, I'm saying in the Elite Eight. Kansas is playing no. Well, in the Elite Eight, yes. In the Elite Eight, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's only four teams left, and two of them are from the ACC. So still, you know, fifty percent of the field. Exactly. Is the um, yeah, I like Duke in that game, and then the other one we got the uh, Kansas and Nova. I'm going uh, Nova. I'm going Kansas because they were my pre-tournament pick. They were my still alive. Me and Brian's pre-tournament pick is the only one left standing. Still yep. alive and kicking. I'm going for Kansas for that reason. But uh, Nova's got a shot in this one. They've got a really good team. Yeah, Nova's, good. Nova's a good team. I, I I definitely think they have a chance. I really mm-hmm. do. I, I just I think Kansas is better. Same. 
This is yeah. just really I a year where it's it seems like the competition, like the the cream rises to the top, like that. Obviously, people use that saying a lot, but like this year, it really has. Um, yeah. So I, I think that the four teams that are there belong there. Any any two matchups between the four of these teams, I would not be surprised by. Like Duke and UNC both have a good chance of winning the game. Kansas mm-hmm. and Nova both have a good chance, but I ultimately think it's going to be Duke and Kansas in the final. And I, I got, got Duke and Nova. I got Duke and Nova. Sorry, Duke, but you're not. Sorry, Coach K, you're not getting that swan song. Nova takes it. I knew you would pick the lowest seed out of everybody. I just knew that. Villanova, excuse me, Villanova's the two seed. UNC is the eight seed. So if I would, the lowest seed would have been to take UNC. That's true. That's true. But UNC is UNC. You know, they're still. They're, they're still good. It's, it's not they're on, they're yeah. on a normal eight. It's, right. still, it's oh not Wisconsin at number eight. You know, it's yeah. what we're talking about here. So, all right. We got about uh, five minutes left for some Cavs talk. Uh, Evan Mobley's out for a minute. Stinks. Uh, We've only got pop, six games left, right? Five, six. Yeah. I don't know. The uh, only winnable game we have left is tomorrow night against New York and Orlando, right? Don't we play Orlando? I don't think we could we could have some games towards the end of the season where the teams that had their spots solidified rest their key players and we play the backup lineups. The Bucks, last game of the year we play the Bucks. Yeah, we play like the yeah. Nets and the Bucks, Bucks like back to back, I think. Yeah. And, uh they could be just stuck in their spot or fine with their spot and they rest their good players. They yep. have, yeah. have some wins. But you know, uh, they've been on a slide uh recently. Uh you guys panicking at all? Uh, I'm not panicking. I'm just disappointed because I, let me say this. I, when they got up to number three in the Eastern conference, I knew that wasn't going to last. I knew they were at that point, they were way overachieving because I knew that Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, they were all, I thought Brooklyn was going to get up there. So I knew the Cavs were going to fall back into the pack, fall back. But the way they were playing, I thought they could stay in that four to six range, get into that low playoff, the low part of the playoffs. And then the injury bug came in and bit us at the absolute wrong time. Jared Allen goes out. Evan Mobley's out. Larry Markkinen's injured. Rondo's out. Sexton's out, and it just – The worst just, thing that can happen to a young team is injuries. And yep. what has happened to the Cavs? They've been decimated by injuries. Yeah. Um, no, I, I wouldn't use panicking because I, I, I never was high enough on the Cavs to where I would be in a panic mode for any reason. You know what I mean? I was always low enough on them that – Same. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I – I always knew that we were destined for that play-in tournament. Um, it just – I felt that throughout the year. And then the injuries just kind of solidified that. So um, I think it's playing out how I, I kind of always thought it was going to play out regardless. But if we were 100% healthy, I would be excited about this team going into the postseason and at least think that it was going to be a fun first series against somebody. Yeah. I thought, it's not going to happen now. No. If we were fully healthy, again, I I thought we could be in that middle tier of playoff teams and give somebody in the first round a headache. Mm-hmm. I but, mean, 
I, I look at this and like they have like really no business being here to begin with. So like I, I thought this team was gonna have another like massive losing season. They have a winning season. They secured a winning season. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. A, a losing season would have been a lot better now. If you now, look at it, now that we're looking at it from this perspective where there's only five games left and we know we're not winning a damn thing. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of wish we were in the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at it from, the, I guess, this perspective. At least getting into the play-in tournament and losing gives them some postseason success. Sure. Right? Or, yeah. Experience, you know what I mean? It gives them something that they can they can build off of. Yeah. And, you know, the what happens to young teams all the time that make their first, like, run is that they don't have the experience yet, so they don't know how to, how to do it. Yeah. They don't understand like, just how much stuff is amped up in the playoffs. And, you know, I see what you're saying. So there's value in going and getting your ass beat. Th- there is. I mean, you know, getting the getting run out of uh, your own building by the Nets. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's probably going to happen. Like, it does provide some value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our remaining schedule, we have the Knicks on Saturday. Sunday, we play the 76ers. Um, Tuesday, we're at Orlando. Friday at Brooklyn, next Sunday at our home against Milwaukee. I'm calling it right now. Win, loss, win, loss, win. Yeah, I could see that. Probably. Win, yeah. loss, win, loss, win. And we are looking at probably playing Brooklyn in the playing tournament. Yeah, and then we'll probably lose that game and then host the winner of the Hornets-Hawks game in the next round. And let me be clear, the only reason I'm giving us a win against that Milwaukee Bucks team is because I think they'll be resting players. Oh, yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Otherwise, I would have thought two and three is probably how they'd finish out. But for that reason, I'm looking at three and two. Great, great year overall. Yeah. Considering everything that they faced and what the expectations were preseason, really positive year for the Cavs and for Jason yeah. Staff. And, I think yeah. I've looked at the season a little bit wrong. I'll I'm not afraid to admit that because, again, I got maybe I got a little too invested in it when we were, again, not when we were in the top three, but when we were in that top half of the Eastern Conference in the playoff range. And you were drinking the Kool Aid. Yeah, I was drinking the Kool Aid. And I mean, you you did last year too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For what it's worth, you did last year. I'm a diehard Cavs fan. What do you want me to do? So are we. I mean, I watched them get the shit kicked out of them last night. I don't think you were. Oh, point. I actually did. (laughs) I was watching a lot of stuff last night, but the Cavs losing was not one of them. Oh, it was brutal. Not look look at that game positively going into it, and I had rooting interests elsewhere. So yeah. But that's going to do it, boys. That's yep. uh, all the time that we've got for today. Yep. Uh, awesome show. Um, make sure that you guys tune in next week because next week's the big uh, MLB preview show. We will be picking division winners and World Series winners. So, yeah, that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. We will prop- most likely be back at our normal time unless circumstances permit that we have to Stay tuned. But for now, yeah, for now, you can expect us uh, Wednesday 2 to 4. Correct. 
Make sure you subscribe to the So What's the Catch YouTube channel if you have not done so already. And we will see you next week. See you guys.